Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking with Martha Hughes about hip arthritis and how that's impacted her running and how she's been able to make a shift here and there and take some different perspectives on her running goals as a consequence of that. So the big question is this, how are runners like us who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. So... Uh, before I get started, I wanted to just let you know that we um, have a couple of resources for any runner who might be struggling with hip arthritis. And the first one is an interview I did with this guy that goes as the bionic runner. Uh, his name's Eric. And basically, he got really, really, really bad hip arthritis. And um, he's now had two hip replacements. And it's really interesting because although he says he's just kind of a normal guy and a normal runner, the fact is that when he had a hip replacement, and then the other one was completely worn out and needed a hip replacement. He was still running fair marathons faster than I can. So um, he, I don't really think he's a normal runner, but he is extremely interesting and inspiring. And that's kind of the worst case scenario for somebody with hip arthritis, which is why I think it's important to listen to his story, because he has been able to keep running, even though he was told he needed surgery to replace the hips. And obviously, a lot of times when you get arthritis, doctors will tell you, you've got to stop running. The second resource comes from Martha. Martha um, has a 5% discount. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, if you do the coastal trail runs, I've done a bunch of those. They're great events. Uh, and she actually somehow, I guess because of her show, has been able to get a 5% discount code. So, you know, if you start readjusting your goals, you start looking for new events because maybe your event might have been canceled. I know that's happened to a few of us around here. Uh, if an event gets canceled because of something, and I actually had one of the races canceled because of a fire in Marin, you know, some time ago, uh, and it does happen. But if you if you want to sign up for one of those races, um, she's let us agreed to let us like give you her uh, discount code that she got for these events, and those will all be available for you. DocOnTheRun.com under the podcast tab, and the discount code, or you can get that from straight from Martha's website, from her podcast and her show as well. We'll have all those links in the show notes. Uh, but we're going to talk about arthritis today. And arthritis can mean lots of things to lots of people. Arthritis can cause any kind of pain in any joint. Uh, and the word arthritis is, uh, specifically means inflammation within a joint because arthro refers to a joint and itis refers to inflammation. And there are lots of different kinds of arthritis. There's psoriatic arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis and infectious arthritis. There are lots of different kinds of arthritis. So just the term arthritis doesn't mean one thing. But in general, um, when a runner hears a doctor say, you have arthritis, it's kind of scary because it can make you feel like your days are numbered and it doesn't matter if you're old or young. It just sounds like you know, a, a, a condemning diagnosis, I guess. And sometimes you really have to shift your perspective. So the guest we have on the show today is extremely interesting, determined and inspiring. And you probably already know her uh, from her show, Martha Runs the World. Um, and the title of her most recent podcast episode, at least the most recent that I saw, was said, race canceled, do it anyway. And so her attitude really kind of says it all. You know, Martha's got a great attitude, and I'm sure she's going to be able to help us understand how to really shift a perspective when you get something that seems so scary, like a diagnosis of arthritis in your hips or your knees or anywhere else. So Martha, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much. And wow, what an introduction. <laughs> uh, well, listen, you know, it's really great to have you here. I mean, I enjoy your show. I really do. I think everybody should listen to it who runs. I think it's really a great, great show. And I like your story. Um, but before we get into all the details about arthritis, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your running history and why you started trail running and doing ultras and all that kind of stuff. Well, I've been running most of my life. Yeah, I started running in college because I was just bored with walking. Walking was just slow. So I just started running and I used to run a lot in my, in my twenties and thirties. Mm -hmm. I used to run every Sunday with the Dolphin South End Running Club in San Francisco, DSE. But then I got busy and life took on things. So I didn't run quite as much. And uh, I just started about, I would say 10, 15 years ago, I started running a little bit more and got more into it. And I would say maybe five years ago, I discovered trail running. I, I didn't realize you could actually run on trails. I never thought that. <laughs> you know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I actually found someone uh, who's my, like my trail running mentor who kind of pushed me into it, got me trail running. And I, I just love being out there on the trails and trail running, quote unquote, you're actually more walking uphill and running downhill and on the flats. So unless you're like really speedy or super elite, you actually do as much walking trail running as you do running. It just depends on, on the, the elevation and, and what part of the trail you're on. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting to hear that from somebody like you who has been in San Francisco and has the entire Merid headlands just across the bridge, you know, which, I mean, it is incredible, like doing some of those coastal trail run events, yeah. you know, around, like when you go do those events and with their events in particular, like you do something in the Merid headlands or uh, in, you know, even in um, uh, like down the peninsula around um, the, what's that, what's that area right above Pacifica? Um, yeah, there's a Montero. Yeah, yeah. And you go up there, there and you're like, wow, you know, all the time yeah. you drive up and down that road and you never even realize that stuff is up there and it's unbelievable. And so well, I've thing, hiked. So yeah, you've hiked, hiked but you backpacked. didn't. Yeah. Yeah, but you hadn't like spent a lot of time running on some of those areas probably. Right. So that's really interesting. So you got into trail running and, and you've had a variety of different kinds of running throughout your life. But what happened with the arthritis? So, you know, tell us your story and, you know, what do you think really caused this initial trouble that we call arthritis in your hip? They're, they don't know really what caused it. It just, I, I mean, the, the, the um, orthopedist didn't tell me really what causes it. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did a, uh, a 12 hour race uh, that I do every New Year's Eve last not this past one but the year passed and the last couple hours of it really hurt mm -hmm. I did okay and it just hurt so much I just was walking and my pain it was funny because the pain wasn't in my hip so much but it was in my right quad oh. my right quad was just in so much pain I thought I had pulled a muscle or something like that it just right. was that kind of pain so I walked it I finished it I got my 50k in and uh, then I said, okay, well, maybe I need to take a rest. And I rested it. I didn't run for, uh, for a few weeks and, and, and hopefully that would help. But I was, but I had another 50 K coming up that June and I didn't get, and as, as we runners tend to do, you know, I, I totally didn't see anyone. And I said, okay, well, I, I'll be fine. You know, kind of, we, we don't want to, we disavow 
injuries. We don't we don't want want to be injured. You say we'll be fine. We'll be fine. You know, <laughs> your arm's off. It's only a flesh wound. You know, I mean, exactly. really, that, that's that's yeah. really what it is. It's so. True. I, it is true. It is true. So I, I did I did a 50K up at Mount Shasta and went up to uh, a 5,000 elevation, eight, what is it, 8,000 feet elevation gain uh, throughout the race. And so it was a really hard race. And I walked so much of it because I was in so much pain and it hurt so bad. And my hips hurt at that point. And I was crying a lot of it because it hurt, but I wanted to finish it. And I did finish it. And uh, it was just so much pain. I said, okay, that's it. After, after this vacation and after this, I'm going to go see, see the doctor. And that's when I went in to, to find out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that brings up a couple of important points. I think one of them is that there's the first, this part of like the sort of mental attitude behind running. The fact that anybody who is a runner by definition is going to have to have a higher pain threshold. And a lot of endurance training is training yourself to suffer. And I don't know, like, I truthfully don't know what the show was. I don't know what the movie was, but I still remember, like, I ran a lot when I was a kid. And I think one of the most formative things for me was there was some movie I watched, you know, on like a Saturday morning or something on television. And basically, there was a scene where there was an, it was like an old Native American Indian guy and a Native American Indian boy. And they were talking about how they had to run from village to, to village. And it was very important to be able to run from village to village to mm-hmm. communicate a message when needed. Right. And the boy was like, not really a great runner. And it was, and I don't know why I remember this detail, but I remember it was a four mile distance. And to me as a really little kid, four miles seemed like unfathomable. Right. And basically the Indian chief says, okay, you, what you need to do is you need to be able to run the four miles in this amount of time. And basically, you know, and, and the Indian was able to do it. So like, uh, and then he said to the boy, he said, but you need to change your breathing to become more efficient. You need to be able to breathe through your nose too. And he said, how do you do that? And he said, well, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to, I'm going to um, give you a sip of water before you start your run. I'm going to take a horse to the finish line. When I get there, you need to spit out the water. So you need to run four miles with the water in your mouth. And I remember thinking like, you know, and the kid was like suffering, right? Trying to breathe just to run the the same thing that he was already capable of doing. But it's sort of like, it's those sort of stories I think that actually do form us a lot of time as a runner and this whole, you need to be able to suffer like monumental suffering, crawling across the finish line. And then when you get an injury and your hip starts to hurt, you think, ah, maybe I pulled something. And with the hip in particular, I'm not a hip doctor. I do feet and ankles, but you know, I hear this a lot with athletes where they'll get something like a femoral neck stress fracture or, you know, arthritis in their hip. And it feels like a, a pulled thigh muscle or it feels like a pulled groin muscle. And they think it's a muscular thing. They're getting massages. It's not getting better. They don't understand why. And a lot of times we're confused. So when it first started for you, it sounds like you thought it was a pulled muscle. But what did you really think was going on when you started having all this pain? I really didn't know. And I, I didn't really want to know because I had this Mount Shasta race to do and I didn't want anything to ruin that. So I didn't really, I, I, I went to, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm lying. Uh, I, I, my memory. Um, I went to a physical, <laughs> I went to a physical therapist like two months before the race, before the June, I guess June. So like four it, months it, of training or something basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to a physical therapist first and she said she thought it was, arthritis in my hips. 
Mm, okay. She, she, but, but it was so, but she gave me some stretches to do. Right. And so, and it, and it helped a little bit. I mean, it didn't take away all the pain, but it helped a little bit. And I still do them. I mean, it doesn't help as much mm-hmm. as you do, but, but it did help at that point. So it helped a little bit, but she said, yeah, you have, you need to go see a, an orthopedist app after the race. So, okay. I, so okay. I asked her, I said, can I finish this race? She said, yeah, but you need to go see the doctor. After. So right. Okay, so that's good. So you train for four months, you're in pain, you just keep training, then you finally see someone and she says, okay, you have arthritis, why don't you try these stretches? And as a basic premise, if you have damage in a joint or irritation or an irritable spot in a joint, let's say, and you can do some stretches so that you change the position of the joint when it moves, then it may rub less on that irritated spot. And that's why strengthening you know, one muscle group and not the other or stretching or something might actually help alleviate some of that pain but it doesn't always fix the problem. So, you know, so you go ahead, you train a couple more months, you do the race. And, and is that when you went to see an orthopedist? I did. I did. And I always go see doctors who understand running. I won't go see a doctor who doesn't understand running. And like my GP is a runner. So I like him. And and this orthopedist, he's a young guy. The the whole group is, is, oh, they only treat athletes. Is this orthopedist group is a sports doctor. So that's why I went to him. Yeah. Well, he, that's, yeah, that's important. You know? Yeah, it really is. And, and it takes me a while to find the right person, but you know, cause I make a lot of calls. Once I do, it's like, okay, I'll go to it. So, cause everybody there, I'm sitting in the waiting room and everybody there is, is, is are athletes of some sort. So that okay. helps. great. All right. So you saw somebody that you, first of all, you knew this is the right kind of doctor for you. You know, that you, this is somebody that should theoretically be someone that will help you achieve your actual running goals and not just say, Oh, well, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, you're no spring chicken, right? Like one of my friends, when we were cycling together and uh, every week we would do this bike ride together and he actually got a hip issue. And I was like, look, man, I don't do hips. I don't know. I'm not going to figure this out for you. That's not my thing. Go see somebody that really knows what you're talking about. And so, you know, we finished our ride. And then the next week we were on the bike path, like heading through Mill Valley. And I said, Oh, what happened? Did you see somebody? I said, and he actually got really upset. And he said, you're not going to believe what that guy told me. He just said, Mike, you're not 30 anymore. And, uh, and, you know, and that was like kind of the answer, but this is not a doctor who's an athlete. I said, well, obviously don't ever go see that guy again. He's not going to be the right doctor for you. He may be qualified and all that, but this is not the right doctor. So you have the right doctor and then you go in and then is that when you found out how serious the issue was or yeah, we got some x-rays done and he showed me where all the growth, all the bone growth, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, where all the bone growth is and where all the extra growth, the arthritis is. And he said that, you know, eventually I'm going to have to get hip replacements. Yeah. Okay. So that brings up another important point. When you get an x-ray and you can see the damage for around a joint, well, that doesn't happen overnight. You know, it takes a long time to form additional bone that we call bone spurs or osteophytes or whatever you want to call it. But when you see all this stuff, all this extra bone formed around a joint, that's been happening for a long time. So it certainly didn't happen in the six months between, you know, this one event and then the, the next one, right, where you were just continuing to train in pain after from New Year's to June. Uh, it happened over a long, long period of time. So you probably had some kind of like issue that you didn't even notice because you're a runner and because you have a high pain threshold. You know, you had some probably ongoing irritation for a long time. And, and the doctor says, okay, probably this is a chronic thing. It just happens to really bug you now. And at some point you may need surgery. So what did they suggest to you? I mean, I know that's really difficult. And most doctors talk procedures. We say, well, 
ice it, do physical therapy, do stretches, do this, do that, do that, don't do this. But they don't really say, look, I know this sucks for you. I know you're a runner and you're really worried about not doing your races or not being able to run at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you figured out you had this diagnosis of hip arthritis, I mean, did you get worried? You know, how did you deal with the anxiety of having arthritis and, and all the potential negative effects it could have in your capacity to run? How'd you deal with that? Well, <laughs> what he said and how I dealt with it are two different things. I mean, he said, he never said, don't stop running. You know, he just said, eventually you're just going to have to get the replacement, which is, which is a different thing. Cause I've known people who the replacement has been great. And I've known people who the replacement has been worse. So that's kind of, I, I don't know if I'm going to get that or not. I, I don't know. I know what it is for me now to run, but the unknown is the unknown. And I don't, and right now I, I laid off my job. So that's another thing, but anyway, um, so, so I didn't take it very well because now because of the pain, I, I can do, I can't do the long distances that I like. So I had to completely change my attitude. I had to completely change my running. I had to completely change my goals. I wanted to, I mean, last year was going to be the year that I did my first hundred K and then this year was going to be the year that I did my first hundred miler. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. And I doubt that I'll ever be able to do that. So I had to really change my goals and change my attitude and change everything so that I'll probably only do half marathons now. Mm-hmm. Really kind okay. of sad, but it is what it is. You know, I can't, I can't change what my body can't do anymore. Right. So you have a couple of choices, right? One of those is to basically just say, who cares? I like running 50K trail races. I like running hard 50K trail races with 8,000 feet of elevation gain and stuff. And just go do that and see how bad it gets. And then see what happens when you get uh, a hip replacement. That's why I, I, I tried to do that, though. See, I, I tried to do that at New Year's. I was going to do, I had already scheduled, scheduled a 24-hour race, mm-hmm. which is basically a one-mile loop around um, the marsh at Christie Field. So yeah. there's no elevation. It's just one mile. Oh, yeah. I lasted 12 hours. I did, I did um, 27 miles and the pain was so bad. I couldn't hardly walk anymore. So I had to quit after 12 hours. I could not go any farther. I physically could not do anymore. So I can't do those 50 K's anymore. I just can't. I mean, I just can't handle the pain. So it's out. Right. So then you have an option of doing something else. Right. And, uh, and so you can do what you did, which is shift your mental attitude and try to look at things differently. And, uh, that's crucial, right? So if you basically have this, you know, profound attachment to a specific distance or a specific pace or anything else, then basically it turns your run into a, a torture session. But if you can shift your perspective and, you know, and what you get from the experience in some way, then it becomes a lot easier to deal with many times. So how did you, um, you know, make that shift? And then, you know, as an injured runner realizing you have this, this sort of new limitation that, you know, is probably going to affect you for a while, maybe forever. Um, you know, how did you come to terms with that sort of idea of having the hip arthritis? Well, it's taken a while. I mean, it, it's been an adjustment taken a while and I was kind of lost for a while. Yeah. I mean, I was really lost and kind of down for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so, you know, over the last few months, I've, I've just said, okay, well, I'll make, there's a half marathon in September I want to do, and I'll just make that my goal race, and I'll just do that race as well as I can 
I'll work hard and I'll do that race and I'll just I'll just kill it at the race. I'll yeah. do really well. And then with all all the this coronavirus stuff came up and all the races are canceled. Right. So what I so what I've done now is that I I started a running streak. So I've been running every day. So for two weeks I've run streak. I've never done a running streak before in my life. Yeah. I've never done that. I've always switched off with with strength training and and cross training and everything like that. Well, all the gyms are closed, so I can't do that. So yeah. now for two weeks straight, I've done, I've run at least a mile every day. So for 14 days straight, I've run, I've run every day. I've never done that before. So this is kind of cool. So yeah. I'm excited about running again. I haven't been yeah. excited about running for a long time because past six miles, it really, really hurts. So, yeah. so I can get excited about it again. So, okay, I can keep my running streak going. And it, hopefully in September, things will be back to normal, which I, I, I'm pretty sure they will. And yeah. by then, I'll have a job and I'll be able to, you know, do this half marathon and, and be happy about running, you know. Yeah. And I am happy about it now. So it's cool. That's great. You know, and also sometimes uh, when you have a shift like that and you're doing much, much, much shorter runs more frequently, it can also sometimes give us time to make some other adjustments. I, I would imagine that some of the additional strengthening, stretching, you know, supplementary things that you're doing actually really do help to, you know, change the alignment in the joint in a way that can maybe produce less pain. Maybe you can't do that and then maintain it for, you know, a marathon or 50K or something like that, but that it can kind of stave off the degeneration in the joint, you know, potentially just by the combination of doing all those things, shorter distances, you know, um, and all these other things that you're doing, right? And, and those treatments can make a lot of sense. Hmm. But, you know, one of the big things um, I think that I hear from from runners when they stop running um, is that they, they get concerned because they like, they try some treatments, and those treatments don't work, and they just haven't found the right treatments yet. And so, you know, when you first had this diagnosis, whether from the physical therapist and the doctor and the, because we get told all kinds of things and almost never, uh, do I talk to a runner who got injured and they did everything the doctor or physical therapist said, and every one of them helped? There's always lots of things that just didn't help that particular person. So in your case with the hip arthritis, was there anything you tried that really just didn't help at all? Um, oh, um, I, I'm not sure. Um, a lot of the, let's see. Well, my doctor did say not to do, my doctor did say not to do yoga because I could hurt it more than anything else. Uh-huh. And I was doing that for a while. And I said, yeah, I don't have to do that anymore because I hate yoga. So <laughs> that was good for me. Because <laughs> these can actually do more harm than good because it can move places that where it's, it, that, there's so much grow, bone growth in there that it can actually hurt, do more hurt yeah. by moving it in ways that, that it's not, that it can't right now. Right. So, yeah, so in that case, you don't want to move the joint so far. They're actually banging those burn bone spurs together and stuff. Right. right? And just, right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So that's good. So sometimes you get like a break, uh, you know, or kind of a reprieve from those things you don't really love so much. So exactly. That's pretty good. Uh, so, um, you know, again, like, but, you know, you have to find the right person. I and mean, you talked a lot about that already, that you have to find the right person who knows your goals and understands this is important. And not everybody does that. I mean, I had a, you know, a doctor tell me one time I was racing motorcycles professionally and he said, Oh, just quit riding motorcycles, you know? And I was like, 
I thought it was a joke, truthfully, when he said it. And then he didn't laugh. And I was like, okay, well, remember, if I like win, I make a lot of money. If I finish 10th, I get like $50 for that race. And it's all based on how I finish. If I don't get on a motorcycle, I don't make any money. So I'm not sure how that's really a solution for me. And although that seems like a really drastic example, the fact is, is that, you know, when you've been running your whole life and you live in some place like San Francisco, where it's really amazing to be outside for so many different reasons, and then you're told, well, just quit running. It's a huge blow. And so it's important to find the right people and it's important to find the right solution. Um, and so what was it that you finally, you know, that combination of things that you really felt like that it kind of helped you turn a corner and get back on the path to, you know, recovery in a sense from this hip arthritis, even though it's not gone, it's allowed you to recover and return to some kind of enjoyable activity with your running. So what was that combination of, do you think? Probably because I'm, I'm an, I am at heart an optimistic person and I don't like to be down for very long and I'm really stubborn. Right. So I don't, I also like running so much that I have, to, I have to find some way to enjoy it. I'm not giving it up. Right. I, 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 riding bicycle isn't an option. I live in downtown San Francisco and I'm not going to get hit by a car. So that, right. that's, yeah, not, that's, right. that's not an option for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just like it so much. Walking is boring. Um, it just, walking is okay. I walk everywhere as it is, but that's, I'm not going to just walk. Right. I do that already to get places, but that's not, to me, that's not my enough of an exercise for me. So right now what I, what I do is I, I do a lot of run walking where I'll, I'll, I'll run for, you know, 10, maybe 10 minutes and then I'll walk for five or something like that. You know, I'll, I'll intersperse it to give my hip a little bit of hips, a little bit of a rest in between, but, but mostly running. Okay. So I, I just, I, I just don't like giving up. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I mean, that's the main thing and no runner wants to give up. I mean, you know, some of the worst experiences for runners that I've ever heard in terms of like emotion and anxiety don't come from injuries. They come from having an injury that they perceive and it frightens them during a race. They think, wow, I could like, you know, break my stress fracture or I could tear my Achilles tendon if I finish this race and they drop out of a race. And it's the sort of lack of completion of that goal. The, you know, the feeling like a failure and all of these things that are not at all directly related to the injury, but a consequence of trying to, you know, suffer through a race with that injury and then giving up on the goal. That's the most destructive. And it's, you know, all these worries are really a significant thing. It's just not something most doctors talk about. And, um, and so, you know, it's really important to uh, figure out what you need to do to keep running and stay happy. And, you know, I found that somebody with a problem like arthritis and starts to turn back to running, because a lot of times you do take some time off when you get this diagnosis and you get these fears and anxieties that hold us back, sometimes appropriately and sometimes not. It sounds like in your case, obviously, um, you've been able to restrain yourself, but did you have any of those kind of anxieties when you're trying to like sort out what distance can you really tolerate and what can you do and not make it worse? Oh, lots of, lots of anxieties. Well, well the orthopedist said, or, orthopedist, if I can say that, said you, you can't really make it worse. It, it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it's not going to hurt it. It's just going to, you know, it's just going to feel really, really bad. So, you, you know, you can't really, I mean, the, now, one thing he did give me, he, he, and he offered to give me more, but I, I said no. He gave me a steroid injection once, mm -hmm. 
and that lasted for a month of yeah. pain free and that was wonderful but it breaks down the muscle too much so i didn't want to do it anymore and he offered to, to do it for me more and i said no so yeah. yeah that was nice for a month it was pain free but i i didn't want to go that route so yeah, that's a good thing i mean you know it's because uh, steroid injections you hear this a lot and if you're a professional athlete and you have let's say the exact same issue but you're making a million dollars a game and when your career is over, it's completely over. You're never going to get another job like that again. That if you choose to get those injections to try to make it through an event and then get another one to make it through another event and so on for a specific goal, it makes sense. I mean, truthfully, if I see somebody and they uh, have tried their entire life to qualify for the Boston Marathon and they finally get into the Boston Marathon and they have a, a joint that is really inflamed and really irritated and we can inject it and calm it down and maybe with some risk, but they get through that event. Sometimes that's worth doing, not for everybody. And certainly if your joints already kind of destroyed and then you're making everything else weaker by doing these injections just to like, you know, get another month of relief here and there. I think that it's not really sensible to continue to do it. Although some people do, it's not the wrong thing. It's just not what I, you know, really seems reasonable to me in most cases, but everybody's case is different. And uh, and you have to find out what's right for you. Um, yeah. And that's the thing is, I think it's really one thing, you know, to hear from a doctor, a physical therapist, you know, anybody who's really trained to treat a specific problem, it's really useful to hear their perspective on what's going on with you. But a lot of times, I think it's far more helpful to hear the story, the feelings, all the emotions that kind of go along with that for somebody like you. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of this right now where because there's so many things shut down from the economy perspective, it's like, okay, we can't afford to keep you on. We can't pay you and not, you know, do business. And so a lot of people have a lot of anxiety and fear around that. And if you talk to a recruiter, they'll say, oh, it's no big deal. We'll get you a job. We'll look for a job. We're going to find a job. Everything's going to be fine. But that's very different from talking to one of your friends who also just lost their job because it's not just the work. It's all of the emotion and anxiety and fear and all these other emotions that roll into what we call that circumstance and the labels we put on them, you know, and uh, it's not so easy to talk about, but I'm glad that you'd come on and, and talk about your story and your, your uh, particular journey with the arthritis and realizing that sometimes you can continue to run, even if you have something that sounds so bad. So uh, right now, for all the people listening who might think they have the beginnings of a hip arthritis issue, they have, you know, maybe they've been misdiagnosed, maybe they've been misdiagnosing themselves, and they're really not sure what to do. Um, what advice would you give those people? Well, I would go to a sports orthopedist and make sure, get the x-rays, make sure what it is, uh, and then proceed from there. But that would be my first step. Mm -hmm. And if, if I go to a physical therapist that they, that they recommend. Yeah. And then from there, because they can give you some really good stretches, they can give you some really good advice and, and work from there. If it's just starting out, maybe you can catch it, maybe you don't have to worry about it. I didn't know, I, I've always known that, that that area is not that limber, so maybe if you're young and, and you can get it more limber, that'll help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe, but that's the thing is sometimes maybe. it makes it worse, know. just like how yoga yeah. maybe was gonna make you worse. And with the big yeah. toe point, you know, one strategy with big toe joint is when you have that kind of arthritis in the big toe joint, we make orthotics that are supposed to open up the joint, kind of relax it, get it to move more. And sometimes that makes people way worse because just like yoga could 
you know, mm -hmm. cause your hip to get worse and more irritable mm -hmm. because you're moving it too much. That can happen in the big toe joint. It can happen in lots of joints. So let's imagine for a second that one of your best friends, somebody you've known for many, many years that you've run with has hip arthritis and she tells you, okay, I went and they said that if I keep running, I saw this doctor, I think he's a good doctor. And he said that if I keep running, uh, that it would destroy the joint and it would probably get worse, but it really doesn't feel that bad. And I saw a physical therapist and she told me that, you know, maybe I can do some things to strengthen it and stretch it and stuff and that it might not be so bad, but I really want to run. What kind of advice would you give to that person? I'd give them the name and phone number of my or, or the orthopedist <laughs> I want. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was really good. Yeah. He was young. He's physically active. Yeah. And he could give her some good advice. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, that's the thing is I, you know, it's really interesting. I have people that will call me and I will say, well, this is what I think you need to do. And they'll say, um, do you think I need a second opinion? And I've had people who I've told you have to have surgery. There's no other way. You definitely need surgery. And they say, well, okay, let's go ahead and do it. I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. If you want to have surgery, you need to get a second opinion. And I actually tell them myself, like you need a second opinion. And they'll usually say something like, oh, well, you know, I really trust you. And, uh, I, I, I think it's fine. And I actually would make them sign a consent form that says, this is really stupid. Really stupid. I, I've agreed to not get a, a second opinion, and I think it's crazy. And then they, you know, that sort of stops them, and they'll get a second opinion. But, you know, if you had to put a new roof on your house, or if you thought maybe you needed a new roof, and one guy came up and put a ladder up on your house, went up on the roof and said, yeah, you need a new roof. It's going to be 20 grand. Nobody would say, okay, can I write you a check? They would say, okay, well, I'm going to get a couple of other people to look at it, and then I'll decide what to do. But yet, as you know, taking something as important as our entire lifestyle, our ability to run, our bodies, our health, that we would take one opinion is crazy. So you know, if you feel like you don't have the right answer, I think a second opinion is one of the best things to do. And always better if you can get that second opinion from someone who understands runners and really likes to keep people active. And they don't necessarily have to be a runner if they're like a really, really avid tennis player or snowboarder or something. And you, they just understand how important it is that you continue that activity as opposed to, oh, that activity is your problem. You know, it, it's like, no, you need a solution that allows you to do that activity. And that's the most important thing. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah d definitely. All right. So what about the mental shift? Like when somebody gets a diagnosis and they're told, yeah, you know, this is really bad. You know, uh, how, how, what advice would you give somebody about trying to make that mental shift? Just take your time. You know, it, it, it's, this is a, this is a long, this is a long race. Mm -hmm. You know, life is an ultra marathon. You may not be able to do the race you want, you just, but just, you, you just have to take your time to, to dwell on it. I mean, yeah. You know, sometimes we think that, that the races that we sign up, we have to do this race. Oh, my God, it's the only time we'll ever be able to do this race. We'll never be able to do it again, ever. Ah! And that's, that was kind of like my mine with the Mount Shasta. I'm, I mean, I thought I did it, but it was kind of stupid. <laughs> I didn't yeah, right. want it, but, you know, I did it. I'm kind of glad yeah. I did it. But yeah. it wasn't the smartest thing I've ever done. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, one other question I just wanted to ask you is, you know, with all of the time, you've been running for a long time, right? And you, yeah. you can't run a long time without developing some strategies to deal with 
recovery and how to actually recover, particularly when you do really some of the really long races that you've done. So what do you think is the one thing that you think of as kind of like the most helpful to get you to recover after long training runs and races like that? Like what's your sort of recovery tool set? Like eat everything in the house? No, I'm sorry. I'm not joking. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> trying not to do that now because when you get older, you can't do that anymore. When you're young, you can do that. But no, you can't do that when you're 60s. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning. Uh, no, uh, walk. Even mm-hmm. if it really hurts, even if every step it, it takes hurts, walk. Keep walk a little bit. Keep moving. Um stretch that's when you do your your static stretches not before you want to do your dynamic stretches before and you do your static stretches which is you hold a stretch for 30 seconds those afterwards and the next day even if it hurts because for marathons and ultras it's going to hurt even if it hurts go out and at least get a mile or two walk in even if you can't run just get a mile or two walk in The recovery run in of, of a couple miles, do that, go real slow and, and get a recovery run in because you will feel so much better. And, 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 the, and one thing I like after real long races is warm water Epsom salt bath is amazing. Oh, yeah. Ice bath stuff is garbage. <laughs> or Epsom salts. Okay. Hot cup That's of tea. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. so. Um, I've heard that from a lot of people that you know, walking uh, before everything really locks up bad mm-hmm. is really helpful. And really helpful. I actually, although I can't um, say that I know exactly how that works, I do know that specifically I tried the exact opposite of that one time, where um, I came up with this ridiculous plan. Uh, it doesn't matter why, but somehow I decided it would be a good idea to ride my motorcycle from San Francisco to Canada do Ironman Canada and then ride the motorcycle home. Now the drive, you know, you get there days in advance. So the ride there was actually wonderful. It was beautiful. It was exhilarating the whole thing. But the day after an Ironman race, getting on a motorcycle and riding (laughs) for 16 hours, sitting in the same position is a terrible, terrible idea. And, you know, and I actually remember like it you know everything started to lock up because I wasn't moving and I was sitting in this on this motorcycle and when I would stop and get gas I would like have to like concentrate and think okay don't forget to put your feet down make sure you get your feet off the foot pegs before the motorcycle stops at the gas pump or you're going to fall over and you'll never get home (laughs) Uh, and so uh, I think moving is really really crucial but I think it's often overlooked because we kind of like sit back and relax after those races and we're like oh we're just going to take it easy today you know watch yeah. TV or you know read a book or something but if yeah. you just get out and walk I think that is a really great piece of advice It is I, I remember after the after my Mount Shasta I, I that was up by Mount Shasta I was staying in Reading which is like an hour away and I had to drive that hour back and I remember when I was driving, I started getting cramps in my, in my quads. They just started cramping real bad. So I had to stop at the rest stop rest area just to, just to, until they stopped because, yeah. <laughs> Oh God, they hurt so bad. That really, really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I had to wait there like a half an hour until they stopped. <laughs> that's, oh, that's funny. That was real bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Martha, uh, I'm really glad that you could take time out of your schedule. I know you've got your own show and a lot to do, and I'm, I'm really grateful. And did you go out for your run today yet, or are you going to do that later? I'm going to do that right after this. All right. Great. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Listen, everybody, if you're, if you haven't yet, you definitely should check out Martha's show. Martha runs the world. Uh, so, uh, go to social media, follow her, check out her show. And if anybody's trying to follow you, you know, connect with you, if they want to reach out to you directly, where can people find you? You can go to my website, MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. All right. Excellent. We'll have all those links on the show notes and, um, and you know, make sure you check it out because it's a great show. So again, Martha, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You have a great day. Okay. All right. I'm going to try. You as well. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right. Before you go, I just want to mention one other thing. If you have an overtraining injury, if you think you have an overtraining injury, if you've been recovering from an injury, the most important thing you can do is track your pain. I've written a couple of books on this. I've provided a lot of information on podcasts about this. But the one thing you really need to do more than any other is stay focused and do something specific every day to make sure that you understand whether or not what you're doing is making you better or worse. And that all starts with tracking your pain. So go to the show notes for this episode, download the pain journal. I made it for you. It's the runner's pain journal. It shows you exactly what to track, what you should chart, and then you can use that to see whether or not your condition is actually really improving or if it's not. And if it's not, then you have to do something different. But if it is improving, that helps you understand how you can start ramping up your activity so you can keep running and get back to all of your running goals a whole lot faster. Go check it out. Go to the show notes, stockontherun.com. It's free and you can get it there now. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.